0: Good morning, Good Shepherd. A lot of you are live streaming in today. Others of you are live at our campus that's here in Charlotte, North Carolina, wherever you're connecting. I'm really glad to connect back with you. And I'm Talbot Davis, the pastor here at Good Shepherd Church. And this really is the first Sunday of this new message series, all about family dynamics and relationships and parenting and adulting and all that stuff. And it's called, It's Just a Phase. And this is one of those Message series that's much more than a series of messages, and kind of as a way of uh, letting you know that it's more about way more than just what happens on Sunday morning. At the end of our gathering out in the lobby, there's going to be a resource table. So, for those of you who are parents or ever had parents, thank you. Yes. There's a, all kind of resources for you there about the different phases and stages and seasons of life and family dynamics. And we put all that together because we, as, as Devin Tharp said, we really do want to invest in this series and, and in the, the generations that surround us. Today's message, the kickoff message in this series is called Beyond Tomorrow. And it does come from the Bible. I thought that would be a really good idea. And in the Bible... It comes from the Gospel of Luke. So if you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to locate the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. Maybe you have a Bible that looks like mine, or maybe it's loaded on your phone, however you have it, locate those words. And if you don't have either of those available, that's okay too, because at the right time, like happens whenever we gather here, the words are going to be up on the screen. And all that commitment to you all seeing what's in the Bible for yourselves comes from some kind of core convictions we have about the biblical library, not book is library, and the Gospel of Luke is actually from the biography section of the biblical library. But you, you, you may not know this, but we, we love the Bible at Good Shepherd. And we don't worship it, but we love it. And the reason we love the Scriptures is because we believe loving the Scriptures helps us adore the Savior, and we do worship Him. And out of that conviction that, that the Bible is no ordinary collection, the Bible really is inspired and eternal and true. And out of our love for it, we, do, we have kind of an, an, an unusual custom, and some of you are already beating me to the punch. I love it. When we talk about the Bible here, we lift it up. And again, you may have never tuned in before, you've never been here before, and you see these Bibles and phones and stuff in the air, and you're just like, that's kind of strange. And a few years ago, I used to try and be like, oh, no, 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 it's not strange at all. And then I realized, yeah, it is. it is. It's unusual. But what we've discovered is that this is a moment of oddity that shapes our identity as a community, that we are a collection of people who do not have life figured out, but we know who does. And out of that knowledge of who does have life figured out, we're glad to surrender to the authority of his word, ready for his power to be let loose in our midst. Amen? And so before I say any more words about the word, let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you breathe life and truth into the words and pages of Scripture. Thank you you breathe life and truth into Luke as he faithfully recorded the story of Jesus and so, Lord, would you breathe life and truth into my words now and let this message be such a reflection of your desire, your design, and your goodness. I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we, uh, as, as you already know, we're starting this new series today. I've been kind of excited about it for a couple of months and really excited about it for the the last couple of weeks. It's called It's Just a Phase. And the reason I'm so excited about it is because it deals with those issues that affect and influence all of us, regardless of your stage of life. Things like parenting, relationships, adulting, Family dynamics, how you became who you are, what the people under your care, what they are becoming under your care, all of that stuff, including in just a few weeks, really an an honest, uh, hopefully objective look at at this phenomenon that a lot of you are are, are part of, that, that is of aging parents and their adult children. And, and what does that do to the relationship dynamic and how to navigate through all of that? But, but in, in, in spite of all this stuff going on in the series that I'm so excited about, can we acknowledge something right here at the beginning, right here at the beginning of a series about parenting and family and, and adulting? Can we, is it okay if we just nod? Yes, we would love for you to acknowledge something, Talbot. Can we acknowledge, it's, it's this. There are a lot of childish Adults out there. Amen. Yeah. They're, they are just all around us. Adults acting in such a way that you are very tempted. In fact, you probably already do it. You look at their behavior of these childish adults and you say, what a baby that guy is. I mean, it's all around us. I mean, I saw, I saw one of these big babies not too long ago. I was looking in the mirror. And I, re- I realize all the ways that I get frustrated when the attention is off of me and onto someone else, just like a baby does. Or I saw another one of these childish. Adults. It was earlier in the summer, and I was on a vacation. My wife, Julie, and I were on a vacation, and there was a beach at the vacation. And, and this guy comes strolling onto the beach, and he's got himself a great big cigar and a great big tall glass of brownish liquid that I am so sure was neither Coke nor Pepsi. And he, he takes this stuff right past the sign that says, on this here beach, there is no tobacco and there's no glasses on this beach. And he just strolls right past that sign and sets himself down and starts enjoying his brownest liquid and smoking his cigar. One of the other patrons on the beach gets issues a complaint with security. And it's so interesting what happens next. Security comes to confront the guy with cigar guy. And as soon as security confronts it, Cigar guy starts reaming out the patron who had turned him in. And just this long string of invective against the other patron, including, including, put a pipe in it, will you? Which I thought was all kinds of ironic because the whole dilemma was about smelling or not smelling tobacco on the beach. And, and so how did this whole little drama resolve? It resolved when cigar guy takes his cigar and his big glass of brownish liquid into the ocean and parks it himself right there, smoking his cigar and drinking his brownish liquid in the ocean, daring anyone to correct him again, which nobody had the courage to do, least of all me. And and when I was watching all this happen, I, I thought to myself, that's just one big baby right there. I also thought, I'm going to preach that one day, and today's the day. So you're <laughs> you're like, no, you know, I always thought preachers just read the Bible all the time. No, we go to the beach and find stuff to preach about there. So. Yeah, but you don't have to go to a beach. You don't have to go to a beach to find childish adults. Because childish adults... They're all around us and they're the ones who respond by impulse and not with reason. Childish adults are the ones who pursue drama and are in fact uncomfortable in the calm. Childish adults are motivated by envy and they are fueled by jealousy. They respond to any kind of correction by attacking the corrector childish adults they are always the victim and they are never the villain and prisons and rehabs are full of them and childish adults end up having this tortured relationship with mom and dad because they end up so often completely dependent on the same parents they have come to hate And some of you were raised by someone like that. Some of you are married to someone like that. Some of you have siblings who are childish adults. A whole lot of you work with childish adults. And then there are a handful of you here and you are sitting here bewildered right now, completely unaware that the person I've just described is you. And so the question If we realize that childish adults is a phase of life that seems to have no end. I mean, we're talking about the phases and seasons of life. Man, childish adults are one of those phases that just keeps going and going and going and going. The question for all of us gathered together in this place and, and live streaming as well, the question becomes, how do we avoid it? especially for those of us who are parents or grandparents or aunts or uncles or influential adults in someone's life. How can we avoid with the little people who we're influencing, how can we avoid growing up, raising adults who become childish? And that's really such a, a, an interesting question because in, in my experience, it is so rare that in parenting and grandparenting especially, we ever ask ourselves, what kind of adult am I creating? Usually, in, in our parenting or our grandparenting, we just want to get through the day. We, we hope that our, our, our little child doesn't hear all those words that we're muttering under our breath. Or maybe when they get a little bit older, we devote so much of our days to driving them around and carting them around and getting them from the game to the league, to the tournament, all in this hope that they'll get a scholarship at the, at the end of all of it, and a scholarship we hope will lead to some kind of good job. But our goals for these children are always have to do with profession, and they never have to do with character. We're so much more concerned with, well, what are you going to do, and less concerned with, well, who are you going to be? And so as we open up this series looking at phases, how can we address this issue looking not just at tomorrow? What kind of child, what kind of adult am I creating tomorrow? But what kind of person am am I creating and raising beyond tomorrow? And to help us answer that question, it's so interesting to look at this encounter that Jesus has in Luke chapter 18. Because in Luke chapter 18, Jesus is getting ready to have an encounter with a pretty childish adult, a a, a guy who's going to come to to Jesus and ask essentially, Jesus, what is the least I can do on earth and still make it to heaven after I die? Which which is the ultimate in childish questions. What's the bare minimum? And yet I'm still in glory forever. And, And almost in preparation... For that conversation, this, this scene happens and these words get uttered. Take a look at Luke chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples, his inner circle, saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly. I tell you anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God, like a little child, you might want to circle or underline that word like, like a little child will never enter it. Now this, this scene has been sentimentalized Through the centuries. It's been turned saccharine sweet. Oh, doesn't Jesus just love the little children? He loves the little children. Red and yellow, black and white. And when when we sentimentalize it, we rob it of its power. Now, do not hear what I am not saying. Don't leave here and say, Talbot said Jesus doesn't love the little children. Yes, (laughs) he does love the little children. In fact, he loves children more than their parents do. However, this scene, these words have less to do with a sentimentalizing of little children and more to do with the conversation Jesus is getting ready to have with that childish adult. Because it's so interesting what Jesus says. He talks about the kingdom of God, which, and the kingdom of God is when you, when you make Jesus your king on earth and then you reside in his kingdom after earth, that's the kingdom of God. And Jesus says the kingdom of God belongs to people who are like these children. And notice what he says about everyone else. And whoever will not receive the kingdom, not earn it, not buy it, not achieve it. Whoever will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. Not childish, childlike. And there's a world of difference. Childlike is someone who is filled with wonder. Childlike is someone who realizes realizes life is big and God is bigger. Childlike are those people who are willing to sit on Jesus' knee and realize that every single good gift that comes in this life and in the next one always comes from him. And so when you put these, when you realize Jesus didn't say that whoever would receive the kingdom in a childish manner, he doesn't say that. He says a childlike manner. And you realize, oh my gosh, looking at all the big babies that we have in our world. And, and here's where it lands us, good shepherd. Here's what I want you to know as we start out, it's just a phase. It's this. When you honor childlike faith, you prevent childish adults. Yep. Those of you who are moms and dads and grandmoms and granddads and aunts and uncles and influential adults of any kind, when you honor child-like faith, that sense of wonder and that sense of awe and that understanding that life is big, but God is bigger. And get this, Moms and dads, when you're able to let your children know from the very earliest of ages that life does not revolve around them, that grows a childlike faith. When you honor childlike faith, when you help children understand from the very beginning that their life is not at the center of the universe, Jesus's is then you will be parenting with the long-term future in mind and we, we will become a church community who is dedicated to preventing childish adults. Man, what, what, a, what a deal. When, when you can exchange in your household, when you can exchange drama for wonder, what a deal that is. Because drama is absolutely guaranteed in your house and in mine. Drama is guaranteed when people are always asking, well, what about me? And some of you were raised in drama. And some of you now realize you are repeating the very drama in which you were raised. And everybody in your household is clamoring for attention and clamoring for privilege and always asking, well, what about me? And where is mine? Wonders the exact opposite wonders that ability to look at the life and look at the world and realize how big and how good God is and that I am not the center. And even this is something I love to tell you all, even that the most important thing in your life didn't happen in your life. It happened in Jesus's life. Because he's the one who lived and he's the one who died and he's the one who rose and he's the one who reigns and he's the one who's going to return. And we can, when we can, I can't figure it all out, I can't understand it all, but I can worship him with everything I have. And when you instill that kind of faith in the next generation, man, when you honor childlike faith, you prevent childish adults. Man, we got so much wrong. As parents, Julie and I, uh, as, as parents of our children, children are now grown and they live away. And but, but we, and we got so many things wrong. But, but one thing I do think that maybe that I got right was when our, our son, when he was just a little boy and he went to bed very early and he slept very soundly. I just felt led to go in and when he was sleeping and, and pray over him. And I would go in and I would pray, Lord. Would you help this little guy grow up to love the Bible? Now, what an odd prayer to pray over a five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old kid. But even for a preacher, that's kind of a weird prayer. But I just felt led to pray, Lord, would you help him to grow up to love the Bible? And God is so good because what does that little boy do now that he's a grown-up? He teaches the Bible he loves to college students. That's what he does for a living. And when he visits and I go to bed early, he comes in and prays over me now. (laughs) When you honor childlike faith, you prevent childish adults. And can I have a a word with some of you who might have realized just today that you are one of those childish adults I was describing. Maybe you've had a real moment of self-awareness. Usually childish adults are not very self-aware, but you've had that moment and you realize, well, how do I get out of being a childish adult? Listen, there's no better day to start than today. The, The tree that gives shade in your yard was not planted yesterday, was it? Especially for those of you within the sound of my voice who are in recovery from alcoholism. We are, we are so privileged as a church. We have so many people in recovery. But you may know th- this thing that I've just learned recently. That even if you have a lot of years of sobriety, emotionally there's something about drinking that a person who is an alcoholic is often emotionally remains at the age that they were when they started drinking so compulsively, which for a lot of alcoholics is 12 and 13 and 14. So you might have 20 years of sobriety on you, but there's a huge part of your emotional development that still is a 12-year-old. And for a lot of you, so much of life just snapped into focus. That's why, even though I haven't had a drop in 20 years, that's why I still have drama all around. Well, listen. You, you, more than anyone, you know the value, you know the power of admitting that you're powerless. Only today you can admit that you're powerless over childishness. God, would you turn me into child likeness? So even if you're not in recovery for anything, but you have realized today, yeah, I got some childish tendencies. No better day than today than to start embarking on that journey where you do away with childish stuff and you embrace childlike wonder. And can I have a word for, for those of you within the sound of my voice and you have um, young children, pre-K children, that's a lot of you. We got hundreds of children running around here on a Sunday morning. And um, you know we just let them run loose thinking that maybe they'll pick up some Jesus somewhere. No, we, we don't, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that would be a fun morning. <laughs> now you know why there's police in the lobby. So we... <laughs> those of you with pre-K children, and you can write this down. You, you know what those pre-K children need from you more than anything? If you go ahead and throw that up on the, on the screen. Amaze me about God. That's what your pre-K children need. Um, amaze me about God. Maybe it's a, a little bit like the... The little boy is reading a family Bible or holding a family Bible and a leaf, like a leaf from a tree, came falling out of the Bible. And the boy looks up the leaf and he looks at his parents and says, look, Adam's clothes are right here in our Bible. So maybe not quite that literal, but but your, your youngest of children amaze them about God. Look at the stars and say, God did that. Look at the mountain. God did that. Hey, have them look at your wedding pictures. God did that. Have them look at the ultrasound of the new baby brother or sister, or have them look at their own ultrasound. God did that. Amaze me about God. And you will be honoring childlike faith to prevent childish. And then a word to those of you with like elementary age children, you you know what they need? They inspire me to follow God. And you can write that down. Inspire me to follow God. See your elementary age children They are just at that stage of life beginning to make decisions about what's right and wrong, what's good and evil, and have some agency over their own decisions. And, and, you know, they need to be learning at that very early stage of life. How do you make a good decision? You always ask, what does God say and what does Scripture teach? And I know a lot, because I know a lot of you. And you've made decisions in life. The same decisions you now regret. And the reason you regret those decisions is because the question of what does scripture say and what does God want did not appear on your decision tree. And you can teach your children from this youngest of ages, elementary ages. Yeah, put that in your on your tree of how you're gonna make your decisions. Because children this age are listening. A few years ago, we had a, I gave a message about kind of about the the dangers of our devices and and how they're controlling our lives. I don't know if you've known that or not, but the the bottom line was where you start the day determines how you finish it. Kind of a real call. Don't start the day on your device. Start the day in Scripture. Well, an 11-year-old girl was in church that day, heard the bottom line, wrote it down, because she's an overachiever, wrote it down, And later, when mom wasn't looking and mom was getting ready to go to bed, the daughter put that bottom line over mom's phone. So that in the morning, when mom reached for the phone first thing, she instead saw the bottom line and began, From the mouths of babes, when you honor childlike faith, you prevent childish adults. Those of you who are parents of teenagers can I have a, a, a word With you, what what your teenagers need, move me to serve God. Your teenagers are at that stage of life where they they want to put whatever knowledge they have into action. I don't know if you've seen all these commercials. They seem to be mostly out by Nike and Gatorade, but they're all they're all the same. And it's all believe in you, conquer the world. Trust yourself. Change the world. Well, we who name the name of Jesus, we know that believing in you and trusting yourself only leads to disaster. But what we want to do is we want to harness that ambition, a good ambition to change, influence, impact the world, harness that ambition and direct it for good, uh, direct it to the kingdom. That's what we want to do with our, our teenagers. They want to be moved to serve God. And Good Shepherd, I love Love, love seeing it happen. I love when it breaks through and you see a family harness that energy and a teenager's motivated to serve God, sort of like this family I want you to meet. Take a look.